Hi, everybody, and uh, welcome to Sports Rivals. I'm Gary Thorne. Our purpose here on Sports Rivals is an attempt to preserve some memories of classic sports rivalries through the words of those who participated in those events. Now, when you say Red Sox-Yankees, rivalry is probably your first thought, and there's a good reason for that. Over the years, these two teams have created some of sports' best moments with some of the game's most notable stars. Today, here on Sports Rivals, we are delighted to bring two of those stars to you, Lou Pinella and Fred Lynn. Now, Lou played for the Yankees from 1974 through 1984, part of a 16-year major league career. Lou was the American League Rookie of the Year in 1969, and he won two world championships with the Yankees in 1977 and 1978. And that is the year, 78, that we're going to be talking about a good deal today. Fred Lynn played for the Red Sox from 1974 through 1980. He, too, had a 16-year major league career like Pinella. He, too, was Rookie of the Year. That was in 1975. And he also won the MVP award that year. He became the first major league player to win both awards in the same year. Pinella, Lynn, they faced one another in what was a tumultuous 1978 season in which Boston lost a 14-game lead in the American League East in just seven weeks. In September, the Yankees came to Boston and they swept a four-game series with the Yankees moving into first place for the first time that season. That series has become known as the Boston Massacre. So you go to October 1, Boston beat Toronto, last game of the season, moving them into a tie with the Yankees for first, necessitating a one-game playoff. Move to the next day, October 2nd. The Yankees' Bucky Dent became a Yankee hero forever, and a Red Sox curse for eternity when he hit a three-run homer in the playoff game that gave the Yankees a lead they did not surrender. And the Yankees would go on to win the World Series. Now, our producer, Jay Cutlow, and I had the opportunity to talk with Fred and Lou about this, and now you're going to get the opportunity to listen in here on Sports Rivals. And I think probably the uh, best way to begin this uh, Fred, let's turn to you. Let's take a look about the expectations in particular for the Red Sox going into that 1978 season. Well, the 78 season, <clears throat> we were very much looking forward to it because uh, after the 77 season, we'd only lost to the Yanks uh, that year by two games. And uh, the Baltimore Orioles and us were right on their tails at the end of the season. So we were looking forward to 78, and we thought we had a heck of a chance. Uh, we got up to a great start. Uh, everybody in the lineup was hitting. Uh, the pitching staff was going great. No one was injured for the first half. This is uh, Jimmy Rice's big year. Uh, he won the MVP that year, had four, over 400 total bases, and he was just tearing it up. And I was sitting in front of him, so I was getting pitches to hit. And Burleson and Remy were on all the time, so consequently – we were scoring a lot of runs. Um, so the first half of the season, I don't know how many wins we had, but uh, it was a significant amount, and we were playing flawlessly. Uh, the only problem that I could see that was happening at the time, even though we were winning, is that the lineup was the same every day. No, uh, Zimmer would never 
change the lineup, nor would he take any guys out of the lineup. Even if we had a seven, eight, nine, ten run lead, he kept everybody in there, which I knew sooner or later was going to bite us in the butt. Uh, and more of that later. But I'll let Lou talk about the first half of his season uh, from the Yankees' perspective uh, to see what he thought about it. Well, for me, we felt good about our team also. We had won the World Series in 77. And uh, we added Goose Gossage to our arsenal of pitching. So we felt really good about our chances. And lo and behold, we got off to a terrible start. And the main reason, we had so many injuries. Uh, our team, we couldn't get our team on the field probably till a, about the All-Star break. And, and at, at the All-Star game, we finally started playing good baseball, uh, got healthy, and we made a heck of a run the second half of the year. How we caught you guys... I'll never know because at the all-star game, we were 14 and a half out and you guys had just a, a, a great team, a really a great team. In fact, uh, 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 my gosh, uh, you have a couple of hall of famers and there should be a couple more off, off of your team, uh, including you, Freddie. But anyway, uh, uh, it was, we felt that if we didn't make a, a little ground up immediately after the ball game, I mean, after the all-star game, that we couldn't, uh, uh, we we wouldn't have enough time. At the same time, we had a new pa- newspaper strike in New York, and the newspapers were out of commission. And that, you know, there was a, the Bronx Zoo and everything else going on at Yankee Stadium and in, in the New York area. So when the newspapers went out, they allowed us just to relax and play baseball. And at the same time, after the break, we went on a hot streak. Boston lost some games, and 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 sooner and and real quick, we were about eight and a half out. So we were back in the game. But listen, we, we, we played catch-up ball the whole second half of the year. Finally, in September, we went to Boston four games out, and we swept the Red Sox in their ballpark. And then we opened up a few a few games, and we thought it was over. Lo and behold, Boston came back at us and tied us the last game of the year, and then we had that memorable playoff game in, in Fenway Park uh, in October. And that's Freddie. To me, that's the most fun game I've ever played. Probably more fun because we were on the winning side of things. But what a well played game, and 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 what uh, what what a memorable game. That that game stands out in in in, in my mind as the most fun game, pressure packed game I've ever played. It. Yeah. Before I get to the playoff game, uh, I'll tell you what happened to our club in in the second half. It's basically we flip flopped with you guys. Um, <clears throat> when I told you that all our guys were playing every inning. That got us. Burleson went down uh, with a uh, ankle sprain. That was a three-week deal. And Frank Duffy, uh, a very capable shortstop, uh, didn't get any playing time. So when he came in there, man, you needed to uh, spray him with WD-40. He was so rusty. Um, you know, and he didn't perform well. And then a couple other guys went down. Pitchings went down. And so all of a sudden, we're in just the flip-flop of the Yankees season. We're struggling to play 500 because of we don't have the, uh, the right guys on the field. Sure. And if finally, in September, we got guys back. But by that time, uh, Bill Lee was in the doghouse with Zimmer, and he wouldn't pitch him the second half of the season. Bill Lee did not pitch against you guys in September. Remember now, we tied you, or you tied us, or Harvey. We ended up in a tie, 99 uh, wins apiece. If Billy pitches any game from like July on, and we win one more game, then there is no playoff game. But he was in the doghouse, and so we, we, you guys come in for that key series in September, 
And we threw a kid named Bobby Sproul. I mean, I didn't even know who he was. Well, and, let me tell you this. I'm going to intercept for a second because one of the questions that I was going to ask you, we played that four-game series with, for you, with you guys around Labor Day, and we won the first three games. And then uh, the last day, you all had Louis Tion available, and you pitched Bobby Sproul. And I'm thinking to myself, my God, this kid must really, really be good because uh, Zimmer wouldn't take that kind of chance of pitching Bobby Sproul on the fourth game. And boy, after I faced him the first time, you could see that he was really, really nervous, and I knew we were going to score a lot of runs that day, and we did. But boy, not pitching Tiant was a big break for us. Well, you know what? That's Zimmer would get these bees in his bonnet, and he wouldn't play guys or pitch. It was really the pitching staff. The pitching staff didn't get along with him very well. The veteran guys, um, you know, they knew how to pitch, and he was not a, a real uh, aficionado of the mound. Let's say. And so they had a lot of disagreements. And so he would just not pitch guys. And when he pitched Bobby Sproul, he couldn't throw it in the cage. Uh, Yeah, it was was awful. Yeah, he was so nervous. His eyes were like saucers. I'm going, oh, man, this could be a long day. (laughs) It turned out that way. It really did. Yeah. So then you guys beat us. You sweep us. And then you take the lead, and we won, I think, uh, eight or nine in a row to get yes. to uh, the, the playoffs. In fact, you guys lost to Rick Waits uh, the last day of the season, a little lefty from Cleveland. No and, question. And uh, that uh, you know opened the door for us, but we played like gangbusters just to get to the playoffs. That, that year there, we were the two best teams in baseball. Whoever won the American League East and went to uh, – uh, postseason was going to win the World Series because the Yankees and Red Sox were the two best teams in baseball in 1978. You agree with that, Freddie? I do, and we I, we thought just like you guys, whoever wins this game, and it was a beautiful day in Boston, oh, and we're just thinking, well, whoever wins this game is going to win the World Series because there's no no team that's even close to us. No, not at all. Hey, just going back one second when Lou talked about the you know the strike with the. Uh, newspapers in New York at one point of the season. We're always curious as fans, how much does the media affect you guys? You know, you're talking about the four game sweep, which was termed as the Boston massacre. Freddie, how much does that get in your head or does it not get in your head? And Lou, how much, you know, does the, the outside get into you guys? Cause you guys are on the field and we're always trying to think of what, you know, what's actually going on. Just if you want to talk to that at all. Well, the media in New York wouldn't leave us alone. I mean, we that, that year there we had Reggie on the team also, and and uh, Thurman and Reggie were going at it pretty good all summer. And every day there was just a different story in the newspapers, and and it got really tiring. Everybody was just totally exhausted from reading the newspapers and listening to the media. And all of a sudden they had this newspaper strike, and they allowed us to play baseball. We relaxed, we got healthy, and like I said, we made. Uh, I think we won like seven or eight or eight out of nine of the first games after the all-star break and, and Boston struggled immediately after the break. And we closed that gap to eight and a half games. And, and we were able to uh, keep our momentum going and our confidence that we could catch Boston, but we knew it would be a real tough struggle because Boston had just a great team. that really did the lineup they had, my God, it was as good as anything ever put together on a major league baseball field. They had a better lineup on the field offensively than we did uh, where we equalized a little, a little bit was we had a real nice bullpen with Sparky and, and, and Gossage and Dick Tidrow. And at the same time, Gidry that year was 25 and three. My God, it was, he was almost unbeatable. 
Yeah, from the uh, perspective on the Boston side, as far as the media is concerned, it's very similar to New York. We might not have quite as many papers, but uh, boy, if we started playing poorly, which we were in September, um, you, you couldn't get away from it. Um, in the, not only uh, the newsprint, but the talk shows. I mean, you couldn't even turn on the radio. There must be, yeah. I, I don't know how many ra- you know, talk shows there were, but they, every was, they were just beating us down and beating us down. Finally, you just couldn't read it. You couldn't read about it or listen to it. You just had to go put blinders on, live your life off the field, but you couldn't listen. You couldn't watch TV. You couldn't uh, read the paper. You couldn't listen to the radio. You just went back to the stadium and, and then you felt comfortable with your teammates um, although we, we had some guys that were not quite um, Thurman Munson and Reggie Jackson fighting, but we had some differences of, of opinion once in a while because we had a, a locker room full of type A personalities. So, you know, and when you start playing poorly, everybody starts saying, OK, you know, what are you doing? And you start pointing fingers and then uh, with the media uh, thrown in there, too, it's like a, a, a damn powder keg. Well, with the tensions that were uh, existing in the clubhouse, did you ever step in when the guys were going at each other, or did you just leave that thing alone? Well, well I, I, yeah, my go perspective, ahead. We, we just left it alone. I mean, listen, it was just going to play itself out. And the whole problem was Reggie basically, you know, he has a big, big ego, as everybody knows. But at the same time, this guy is a winning baseball player. And, you know, he likes the limelight. And at the same time, Billy Martin wouldn't hit him fourth in the lineup. And that made Reggie salt for a good portion of the time. And right around the all-star break, we finally convinced Billy to give him a, give, give, let, let Reggie hit fourth if that's where he felt that he should hit. And he started uh, 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 hitting the ball much better for us. But let me tell you, uh, uh, there, there, are two, there are no two comfort towns to play in newspaper and radio talk show-wise in Boston and New York. I can tell you that. Yeah, if you can play in either of those cities, we used to call it the big stage, you can play anywhere. Um, But on the flip side, you could get an all-star performer, say, in a small market club, come to New York or Boston and not be able to handle it. They just uh, have never experienced anything like that, and they shrink like a a shrinking violet. They just they they can't perform. Um, You know, fortunately for the Yankees and the Red Sox, we had a lot of guys that like that stage. You got to have some type A personalities to handle it. And we both no played. But I will say this about uh, getting to the playoff game now. And everybody uh, in Boston always think about how Bucky Dent uh, beat us that day. And I talked to Lou many years ago. He was uh, managing for the Seattle Mariners, and I was working at ESPN, and I, and I did one of his games. And, and as far as I was concerned, Lou Pinella won that game for the Yankees that day. First of all, he was playing right field instead of Reggie. Reggie didn't like the DH. He liked to play, but lose a he much better. He couldn't play right field. He couldn't play right field that day in Boston. That's no. a tough field to play with the sun. You know, they didn't have the double deck stadium then. And, and that ball of sun was right over the top of that uh, single deck. And I'm going to tell you what, it was a tough place to play. And, and you hit a ball off of Gidry uh, in the middle part of the ball game that Zimmer told me when he coached for me in Tampa Bay that he thought that would be or uh, uh, it would clear the bases. And I noticed that early in the ball game, Yastrzemski pulled a three and two fastball off of uh, Gidry into the seats in right field. And I knew that Ronnie coming back on, on, on three days rest didn't have the fastball. 
that he had earlier in the year, or if he would have pitched with his full complement of rest. And uh, on that three and two pitch that you hit, uh, uh, Freddie, I, I moved over myself about uh, maybe ten or twelve or fifteen feet towards the line, and you hit a you smoked one over to to, uh, to the gate right there in front of the bullpen, and and the wind held that ball up a little bit, and uh, I was able to make the play, but. Uh, Listen, uh, it was a it was a heck of a ball game. How about Bucky Dent hitting a three run homer? Hit three home runs all year. Unbelievable. <laughs> well, you know what? When uh, Yaz hit the home run early, and I'm thinking, okay, um, I was like you because I hit Gidry the other way because you know he throws that nasty breaking ball. It's always away, and fastballs up and away. So I always tried to hit him to left center. I didn't try sure. to pull him. And uh, we got a couple guys on. We're up two nothing. And I hooked a ball in the corner, and I'm thinking that's a minimum of double. It's going to no be question. four nothing, four nothing, and we got Gidry out of the game. In which case, you know, we're into your middle relief, and that game's over. But you made that yeah. play, and and what I tried to tell people, um, there's more to be to uh, play in defense than just having talent. And what you were just saying to the people, how you thought. You know, your pitcher didn't quite have his, his normal stuff, and so you made an adjustment. Well, that's what really good players do. And I, when I heard you tell me that, I said, uh, you know, I, I patted you on the head. So that's a really good play. That's the kind of things that I think about when I look at my pitcher being from center field, and I have a great perspective from there. Yeah, but you did that, field. and you saved the game. And then, well, how about the game? How about tell the fans what happened in the eighth inning? Uh, now that was the ninth inning. No, no, it's the eighth eighth inning. Rooster's on first, and Remy hits a line drive to right, and you don't see it. Well, that's that was in the ninth, wasn't it? No, that was in the eighth, because in the ninth it was it was. I mean, we were starting to get to Gossage, and the, and the, I, it was like pretty much in the eighth inning. I think is when the no, play Freddie, occurred. I think, I think I think I think it was in the ninth because I think Burleson let off with a, a base hit, uh, and and. Um, uh, then Remy hits his ball to, to right field. I don't see it at all. I told Bob Lemon uh, before about the seventh inning, I said, if the ball's hit on the line to right field, I can't see anything at all. I said, uh, it, it's hit or miss. And and Remy hits his line shot over second base, and there, were one, there was one out. And uh, uh, what I did, it was right. I, I backed up without panicking to give myself a little more chance for the ball for the ball to come out of the sun. And lo and behold, it, I finally, it did. It, it came out. I saw it. I caught it on the bounce. And then I made a heck of a throw to third base. Uh, uh, Remy, I mean, Burleson stayed on second. Then Rice flied out to me in right center field. And then you all had the, 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 the tying runs at first and third, or the winning run at first and the tying run at third with two outs. And Gossage got Yastrzemski to pop up to uh, Nettles. Yep, that's right. And I'll tell you what, that pop-up that Yastrzemski hit, it seemed to me like it never came down. It stayed up forever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he took, you know, in today's parlance, you know, uh, he hit what he hit. The, the, the angle, you know, he was going for the, the lift and separate angle there, launch angle. And, uh, yeah, he hit it on the screws, but he hit it straight up. But, but you up basically, yeah, you kept Burleson from going to third. And so then Rice's fly ball would have tied the game. No question. You know, then Yaz doesn't feel like he has to hit a home run, just get space hit. He might hit a double. Who knows? But, I mean, you cost us three runs um, just playing defense. And we ended well, up losing one- that game 5-4. One thing, you know, I always, I came up to the big leagues 
uh, late in my career. And, and, and I mean, I was 25 years old. I was the oldest rookie of the year in the American League. I stayed around till I was 42 because I had <laughs> decent hitting mechanics. But at the same time, uh, 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 when Bill Burden came over to the Yankees uh, in 1975, I think, he impressed on me that I really had to improve my outfield play. And he made me really concentrate on playing defense, and he was totally right. And I, I credit him because he, I never worked so hard in my life uh, at the end of a fungo every day in spring training, and Bill Burden just hitting one ball after another. So defense counts when you're playing on, on, on good teams. And, and that particular day, Gossage got a two and two-thirds inning save. Unbelievable. That's unheard of in today's game. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I was just happy to see Gidry come out. So even though Goose throws 100 miles an hour, we're just happy Gidry's out of the game. And to a man, everybody's hitting Goose pretty – you know, we were moving the ball around uh, against no him question. pretty good. Um, but you know, like I say, your defense, you know, obviously Bucky Dent's home run is a big deal. And I remember when he hit it, you know, Yaz thought it was going to go off the wall, and I'm backing Yaz up, and I'm watching his ball come down, and it literally – hit the back side of the fence. I mean, it was just a scraper. It couldn't have cleared it by a foot. I went, oh. And Taco, Torres was soaring great that day. He really was. He had a great sinker and a, a real nice slider. And you know what? I think from talking to the, to, uh, to uh, uh, Taco, he told me that he didn't throw any warm-up pitches uh, after the long delay when he fouled on off his shin. And I think it cost him because he threw him a sinker that he wanted blowing away. And the darn thing just stayed in on the inside part of the plate. And Bucky just hit this fly ball. And we thought that it might hit the wall. We really did. We weren't sure. And this thing, when it went up to the into the net, and I saw Yashrimki drop his head, uh, uh, Boston, which was a real loud place, became very, very silent very, very quickly. And <laughs> yeah, then Reggie, yeah. And then <laughs> Reggie hit the home run in the center field to give us a, a, a little cushion. And then you came back at us at the latter part of the ball game, and we held on. And, uh, you know, what's amazing is that we beat you all five straight times in Fenway. I don't think the Yankees have done that too often uh, to, to a real good Yan a Boston club. And we won five in a row, four in September, four in September and one in October. And that was a difference. Although you all came back to New York next, uh, about three weeks later, and beat us two out of three there in New York also. Yeah, you know, both of our clubs are good road clubs. You know, we could uh, manufacture runs. We didn't have to have a home field advantage. And sometimes it was advantage to be on the road if the press was uh, on your case. And you, uh, right. you guys probably felt that same way. Boy, let's get the heck out of town so we can relax. Sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to tell you a little funny story about, uh, about we lost it, like you said, in New York to Rick Waits uh, the last day of the season. And you all won, and now we got to go to Fenway to um, uh, to play off in this playoff to play in that playoff game. And we get to uh, to Boston uh, about uh, nine o'clock at night, and uh, I'm thinking to myself, "Boy, I'm going to sleep. I'm I'm I'm, I'm I, I was a little nervous. I'm going to sleep a good night's sleep and get to the ballpark early. I, I get to bed and I can't sleep, so I said, you know, I'm going to go over to." My, the watering hole down the street, Daisy Buchanan. <laughs> <laughs> and Imagine have, that. <laughs> yeah, and have a good, have a little Jack Daniels in water and just relax a little bit. And I'm thinking to myself as I'm walking there, you know, um, I shouldn't be doing this. I should be in bed. I walk into the place and we had about 13 players over there and I really felt good about it. 
You know what, uh, Lou? I um, often felt that um, in big games, the road team um, had the ability to relax more by just doing what you were doing because that's where a guy, that's where the team becomes a team. I think when you all go out having a couple beers or whatever, you're hanging out. But when you're at home, you got your family, you might have kids, you might have relatives in. There's no relaxing, not one little bit. You That's can't do those point. things. You can't do That's those things. Point. So the visiting team, they're out and they're just kicking the feet up, you know, having a couple of brewskis and talking about, yeah, yeah, blah, 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 blah. you're not worried about it. Then you come to the park and you relax and, and you play better. And you play better, yeah. And, and both the game was very, very, very well played on both sides. I mean, let's be perfectly honest. It was five to four. And, and again, uh, the two best teams in baseball, n- nothing even close to it. Uh, we swept Kansas City in, 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 the, in, in three games, and then we played the Dodgers and beat them for the second time in a row in, in, in six games, and we were never threatened. So it was, a, but it, let me tell you what, that game sticks out in my mind as the most fun field game I've ever played in my life. And, uh, you know, they talk about the rivalry. Look, we didn't like the Red Sox, but we respected them. We really did. Uh, Thurman and, and, and Reg and, 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 and uh, Carlton had that rivalry going uh, behind the plate. But uh, let me tell you what, uh, we knew that Boston was a great team, and we, and we knew they were going to put runs up on anybody. And that's exactly what happened that day. And, uh, I mean, and, and Bucky, if, if, if Torres just keeps the ball out over the plate a little bit, uh, Bucky's not going to do all that much with the ball. But he stayed down and in, and he hits this fly ball that goes about 315 feet or whatever, <laughs> and, and, and it's a three-run dinger. Unbelievable. Fred, let me ask you this. After the uh, one-game playoff, how soon after that did you talk with Bucky Dent, and, and just how painful was that loss? Um, as far as getting over the loss, I never got over it. Um, there's a couple things that I look back on my career and yeah, like Lou says, it's, it's uh, an honor to play in one of the greatest games that ever played really the, that 78 playoff game, um, game seven of the 75 world series, which we lost. And in 82, I lost our playoff game, uh, to Milwaukee when we we're ahead of them. So those kind of things I never get over. I still see me hitting that ball off Gidry and I still see Lou running and snow coming the ball in the corner. I mean, I've never gotten over those things. Um, and as far as Bucky is concerned, you know what? He, he, he was back in the day when shortstops were uh, paid to play shortstop. And if you hit, it was a bonus. And so, I mean, he got the biggest hit of his career. I remember he was going on to talk shows and doing all these things. And he got all these accolades for winning the game. And, you know, it was the biggest hit of his life. Um, and like Bruce says, he hit it in 320 feet. Um, but <laughs> it's, you know, it's, uh, it's just one of those things, you know, but I never got over it. I, you know, it's those things haunt me. Um, you know, talking says, about, yeah. Freddie talking about Bucky, you know, he fouled that ball off his shin and Mickey Rivers, uh, was, was the, um, lead outfitter. And he tells uh, Bucky. He, he, listen, use my bat. He says, uh, I, I, I feel lucky with this bat. Use my bat. So he switched bat to hit that home run. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I heard that story. Now I want to check that bat. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I didn't mean it that way. No, not at all. But, you know, it, it's amazing. It's amazing when things are, are, are going to happen, they happen. And you, you're right. Bucky Dent was just a, a really consistent uh, a defensive shortstop. 
he played excellent defense. He had a, a really good throwing arm, and he was a really good teammate. But that particular year, he didn't hit the ball much for power, and he hit the biggest home run uh, of the year for us. And, and uh, uh, he's made a, a nice living on, on the on the talking circuit from that <laughs> and rightfully so. Well, I think we're good on 1978, but a huge rivalry uh, that covers so many years. You mentioned the type A players uh, that existed on both sides. Lou, in 1976, you slid into Carlton Fisk, and that resulted in a bench clearing that lasted for a long time. Uh, Tell us what we don't know about that. Well, I wasn't the fastest guy in the world. I mean, I, I could run the bases decent, but uh, I, I wasn't a speedster by any stretch of the imagination. And I freak, I'm on third base with one out, and um, uh, a ball's hit uh, Dwight Evans in right field, and Dwight Evans has got one of the strongest, uh, most accurate throwing arms. And uh, Dick Kowser, our third base coach, was ho- holding me up on the play, and I said, the hell with this, I'm going to... <laughs> <laughs> that's that type a personality yeah and i did i and and, and carl was blocking home plate so i i rammed into him pretty good and and as we fell down he stuck the, the ball right in my face which, which is fine I, I mean listen he he wasn't trying to hurt me and i wasn't trying to hurt him but and and all of a sudden we started throwing punches and and, and it got out of hand a little bit and i think bill lee got hurt by a uh, 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 nettles body slammed him over there uh, uh, in front of the uh, yankee dugout uh and I, it hurt Boston, uh, no question. But listen, there was a great rivalry. Listen, uh, the, the greatest rivalries in baseball are the Yankees and, 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 and Red Sox. You've got San Francisco and the New York and the uh, L.A. Dodgers. And then you've got the Cardinals and, and, and the Cubs. So listen, uh, we, everybody had – we didn't hate the Red Sox. I don't think the Red Sox hated us. Uh, I think we respected each other. And and the fans and the newspapers created those type of rivalries more than the players themselves. Yeah, from my perspective, you know, going into Yankee Stadium in the 70s there, um, I was always cognizant uh, when I was coming back to the dugout to put my glove over my head because stuff would be coming out of the stands from <laughs> bottles to grapefruits, darts, batteries, golf balls, you name it. That stuff was flying down on us. So. And and Luke can uh, attest to this. There were more fights in the stands in those days no than there were on the field. I mean, we used to tussle with the, the Yanks. There's no question about it. But there were always fights in the stands. If some lunatic Red Sox fan or some Red Sox paraphernalia in New York, he was asking for trouble, and they got it. I mean, they were always duking it out at their place and our place. So obviously that that spills into the to the field and. I think most of it stemmed from Munson and Fisk. You got these two big type A personality guys. They're both catchers. They're both in the same division. We're just down the street from each other. We play each other like seems like every other day. And um, so, and those guys like to talk. Um, as for for me, I'm in center field. I'm away from all the action. You know, I'm, I'm closer to the fans than I am to the, the the fisticuffs when they break out. So when that that fight started. I'm in center field. Well, by the time I get there, there's piles everywhere. Well, I'm not going to that big pile at home plate because there's lots of stuff going on there. So I'm, <laughs> I'm in the dance crew over here, and there's a big pile. And I'm, I got my arms against Otto Velez, and I'm trying to yank him off the pile because he's doing no good. He's going to dig in where he should be. So I just wrap my arm, arms around him, and I'm pulling him off, and I feel this whap. I get hit in the back of the head. Oh, well, I'm, boy. Not, I'm not letting go of Otto because he's a big boy. 
So I still have a hold of him, but there's nobody there. I turn around. There's no one there. And I knew it couldn't have been a big guy because I'd have been laid out if it was somebody big. And it wasn't until I, I worked at uh, ESPN many years later and we're doing a, I think a Yankees Red Sox game and it was pointed out to me, I think by Mr. Cutlow that uh, they slowed down the tape and I could see Mickey Rivers just going around and doop, boom, <laughs> yeah. a little like little chicken punches. Yeah. Make it quick. He pop somebody and then run around and he'd be gone. And, you know, I, <laughs> I saw him years later and uh, it didn't hurt me. I mean, I, you know, I, no one wants to get it in the head, but uh, it, it didn't phase me or anything. And I, I just had to laugh because that, if you know Mickey and you played with him, you, you can't uh, hate the guy. I mean, he's just. No, just, you got to love him. Yeah, he just doesn't have that in him. So, you know, I, I wasn't one of those guys that, oh, I hate the Yankees. Ah, I respected them, like Lou said. We respected them. We played you guys like 19, 20 times a year. Um, but as far as uh, throwing punches and stuff like that, if I have to be really pissed, to be honest with you, to, to fight. You know, so if one of their guys had thrown one in my ear, yeah, that might have done something. But uh, you know, plays at second, or you know, I'm in the outfield. That stuff is not. I'm I'm too far away from the action to to be directly involved most of the time. Now, everyone has seen footage of these brawls, but was there any payback in the games or years that followed? No, not that our, not from our side. You know, there was nothing. If, if there was a fight, you know, Bill Lee did get hurt in that because. Um, it looked like it was over and Bill said something and, and, and Nettles grabbed him by the arm and threw him down and hurt his shoulder. It was never quite the same after that. But um, no, you know, even if you took somebody out back, you know, the rules were different back then. I mean, uh, double play balls, you def, you tried to take guys out. Uh, yes. and, and, and it was up to the shortstop or second baseman to get out of the way because we're taking you out. And, um, and nobody really um, had any retaliatory pitches for guys doing their job. Um, I never remember, I, I, to be honest with you, I don't remember from either side the pitchers throwing it to hitters. I, I just don't remember that. And it was all, usually the fights happen by something that uh, on, on the field or break up a double play or some, some play at the plate. But I don't remember anybody headhunting. I, I just don't remember that. I don't either, Freddie. No, they, they were all uh, rivalry games, uh, well-played games, and uh, both teams. I know, I know, we respected Boston. I really did, and we audit their lineup. I mean, I, I, I can basically almost forty years ago uh, remember their lineup. I mean, it was one hitter after another, left-handed, right-handed, uh, average hitters, power hitters. About the only thing they didn't, they didn't steal many bases, but they didn't have to. Our club didn't steal many bases either. Our, you know, our club. What made our club hard to pitch to, I thought, was that uh, our right-hand hitters were more the right center field, left center field, average RBI type guys, and our left-hand hitters uh, didn't hit for as much average, but they hit more for power, and it was more conducive for Yankee Stadium because of the short porch over there. So when we went to Boston, uh, what helped us was the fact that uh, our right-hand hitters uh, could could hit the ball for more power because we crowd the plate just a little more in Boston to make sure that we could hit it uh, uh, to the to the pull field. Yeah, I was going to ask you that if you guys made adjustments as hitters coming into Fenway Park. Yeah, we did. I, I know myself. I know Thurman. Uh, we we would crowd the plate just a little more and try to force the Boston pitchers to pitch us uh, inside a little more so that we could uh, 
uh, uh, uh, hit the ball for a little more power. Or in Yankee Stadium, uh, we'd get off the plate a little more because it was so deep out there in left center field. Uh, and, 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 and we wanted to keep that ball on the line, the left center field and right center field. And we had a lefty righty lineup all the way through, uh, uh, where Boston, Boston, I mean, outside of Remy and, 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 uh, and Burleson and Burleson can hit a home run from time to time too. Uh, everybody else in that lineup, I mean, could hit the ball for power and, and hit the ball for average. It was just a great lineup. Uh, it, it really was. And it just amazed me. I still think about it today. How in the hell did we ever come back from 14 and a half games? Uh, and, and Freddie explained it with the injuries and so forth the second half of the year. But it was a heck of a pennant race. And, and to this day, I remember that year. And I remember that playoff game and the fact that we repeated as world champions. To add to that, Lou, Boston had a big lead the season. And then the Yankees started making a comeback. There were whispers of, of 1978 all over again. Uh, Freddie, I'm wondering about the allegiance you still have with the Red Sox, uh, watching them now uh, from afar. Well, for me, you know, this, I, I, I was signed by the Sox. So, you know, I, I have a certain allegiance to them and, and they to me, actually. And, yeah, I'm, I'm watching all the time Yankees uh, uh, Red Sox series uh, all the time. And the last season was so unique that, I mean, the Yankees won 100 games and they're eight games out. <laughs> that's like yeah. that's insane you're you went 100 games and you're eight games behind um you know what the red sox were able to do last year uh as a team is uh, i've never seen it i mean the, the yankees in 78 won 100 and we won 99 um but this year 108 games I mean, that feels like you never lose i mean they never lost four in a row they never lost four in a row well, there's a lot more parity. There were there was a lot more parity in baseball in the '70s than there is now. This I agree. Year, with you. There were a lot of bad teams in baseball. I mean, just a whole slew of bad teams, and the Yankees and and and, and the Red Sox stood out. And what a job uh, uh, your manager Cora did with that team. He used the pitching exceptionally well. Uh, he, he he used uh, uh, the lineup exceptionally well. And I thought Mookie Wilson was uh, the, 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 the MVP of the year, and, and, and I, I thought he was the best player in baseball, actually, and, and that's exactly what happened. So, But what a year the Red Sox had. They really did. And now the Yankees are beefing up. I was just talking to Hal Steinbrenner the other day here in Tampa, and he said, boy, we got to get some pitching to beat Boston this year. So it hasn't changed. <laughs> well, you know what? You make a good point in that there uh, was greater parity when we played. I think in 78 there were five teams in the division that were over 500 in fact you guys were so far down that we were you know the Orioles and Milwaukee they were like only five games behind us so yeah we were you never looked two or three teams behind you we always felt the pressure of those guys in the second half because they were right knocking on the door five six games out that's not very many games um it wasn't until you guys went past them to get into second place is when we started you know to think about you. A little bit. Yeah, you know right. Yes. And in today's game, like you said, there are so many bad teams. And, you know, the, the really good teams, they just they slaughter these teams. So you can have yeah. these unbelievable. Well, he had three teams with over 100 wins, and I don't remember that happening ever. No, no, it doesn't happen. Exactly right. Yeah, it, it, it's almost when in today's game, uh, uh, probably when the season starts, there might be six or eight teams that uh, that 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 can 
that you can look at legitimately and say they have a chance to go to the World Series. When we played, there were more like 12 or 15 that could do that. Easily. Uh, it, yeah, if you get yeah. catch a break, you know, guys get hot. Uh, they key starter go down. Yeah, key starter go down for um, the Yankees or the Red Sox, and, and all of a sudden Detroit, Milwaukee, uh, Baltimore, they're in business. No question. No question. Uh, maybe the best way to end this great discussion, guys, and we really appreciate it. It's just absolutely wonderful. What's the best memory? What's the one that you take away with you for a lifetime uh, regarding this this rivalry in that uh, in that season? To me, it was truthfully my favorite park to ever play in was Fenway Park. It really was. It was a fun place to play in. Uh, the fans were right on top of you. It was a uh, a good offensive ballpark. I mean, if, if you could hit there, you, you, I mean, if you were a decent hitter and, and you knew what was going on at home plate, you could have a decent day offensively. And and uh, that's what I remember the most, truthfully, the playing in Fenway Park. I, I love playing in Fenway Park. I love uh, staying uh, downtown, and, and uh, I love the city of Boston. In fact, when I retired uh, in, in 84, uh, I, they announced my retirement there in, 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 in Fenway, and the fans gave me a, a standing ovation, and I, I had tears in my eyes. I was so moved. And, and Boston's always been a great sports town, uh, the way they supported the Red Sox and the rest of the teams there. And it's a great town, what can I say? And, and it was fun for me to go there and play against the Red Sox, and Fenway Park was my favorite park to play in. Yeah, it's funny you say that. Um, uh, Fenway's my favorite park to play in as well. Um, I was kind of built for it, but the favorite, my favorite enemy ballpark was Yankee stadium. I enjoyed, that? I absolutely enjoyed being a Red Sox player coming in there with 55,000 people hating you. It was, the, it was just electric. I, I just loved it. I mean, yeah, all the booze, blah, blah, blah. I just love that stage. And when I got a little bit older, I got a little bit bigger, a little stronger, and Lou might be even impressed by this one. I hit a home run off Rudy May to left center. Left oh, that's a long center. Poke. <laughs> that's <laughs> you know, a long poke. That's a. I mean, that's the furthest ball I ever hit the other way. Yeah. I mean, it's it's nine miles out there. But I just enjoyed every game there. Um, it, it was so intense. Um, you you felt alive, and even after the game. I mean, you don't you don't go to bed till like three in the morning. Uh, yeah. The city's just waking up. But, you know, we used to start games. Uh, ABC Game of the Week started at 8.40, 8.40 start. So by the time you get back to the hotel, it's 1. You go out and have a couple um, hot toddies. Brewskies, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and it, it's, it's all of a sudden 2, 3 in the morning, and the town's still still jumping. Uh, it was just a great place to play. I, I loved every second of it um, going yeah. there. And then obviously the rivalry because they were always good and we were always good. And so in, in the stage was so cool. Uh, it's in every once in a while, I make a defensive play and you, you just 55,000 people go silent. Oh yeah. Oh, that's, that's the, that's the yeah. coolest thing. It's the coolest <laughs> yeah. thing when it just gets real quiet uh, after you made a, a play to take away a, a run or a hit from uh, a Yankee player. That was the best. Yes. You know, I was blessed that I was able to wear a Yankee uniform. I got traded there from Kansas City in, in 1973, and it was the best thing that ever happened to me in my life. And for an owner like Mr. Steinbrenner that uh, loved winning and, 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 and spent the money to uh, put a good product on the field, 
uh, it was a blessing for me. And, 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 and truthfully, uh, 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 those are the moments that I cherish the most. Now, I managed for 23 years in the big leagues. Uh, but I'll tell you what, the thrill of putting on a Yankee uniform and stepping on the Yankees, stepping out the Yankee Stadium, uh, uh, unsurpassed in my career. Well, I'll tell you something you might not know. When I was in high school, I was drafted by the Yankees. Um, oh, boy. I, I was supposed to be the next Bobby Mercer. And, uh, yeah, so they scouted me from the time I was 15 years old. Uh, I, I even played on a team called the Pasadena Yankees, and I wore Moose Gowan's old uniform. It had oh, stitched into it. So I played, I was a Yankee guy from the time I was 15 till 18 and I was drafted by him. And then I went to SC to play football and baseball instead. But yeah, I could have been a Yankee very easily. Well, Freddie, you know, the amazing thing up here in Tampa, Florida, and my hero growing up was Ted Williams. So I was always a Red Sox fan when I was a youngster growing up here in, 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 in Tampa because of Ted. And, uh, 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 you know, I, I I never was in the Yankee. I mean, the Red Sox organization, but I, I I got traded to the Yankees, and and boy, what what a blessing that was. And and you know, when you play in a small market like Kansas City, and 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 you mentioned it before, some guys can adjust to the bigger stage, and some guys just don't quite uh, 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 make it. And and I, I you know what, I was a little nervous the first time I put on that uniform in spring training. And, 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 and soon, and when we got to New York and, and the thrill of walking in the Yankee Stadium where so many great players had played and, and they had won so many world championships, it was just a total blessing. And that's the best thing that happened to me in my whole playing career. Yeah, you know, I, I felt the ghost of the past. That's why I like the old stadiums. And I felt um, privileged to have played in our era because, I mean, I'm, I'm in Yankee Stadium and, and, Yank, and, and Mickey Mantle's standing where I was standing. You know, yes. Joe D, um, all the greats. I'm just like, this is so cool. <laughs> this no is question. so cool. <laughs> no I'm, I'm, I'm standing in the same spot. So that was. Why, um, why were all these older stadiums the ones that were most fun to play? And I enjoy playing in Tiger Stadium also as a hitter. Yeah, well, that's the. Uh, uh, that was a wonderful place to hit if you get the ball in the air. That's for sure. No. Uh, yeah, question. But, Every every ballpark that we played in had just some kind of unique quality to it, um, unlike today's stadiums. In fact, as you know, Lou, that most of the baseball fields that we played on were stuck in football stadiums, and so exactly. a football field ran right through most of our field. And I'd say at least half of the stadiums that we played in uh, yeah. were multi-purpose, and they're uh, basically for football, and they threw baseball in. And now today's players are so fortunate where they just play baseball and the fields are, are like pool tables. They're immaculate. Yeah, they're perfectly manicured. No question. Yeah, not no like question. in, how about, how about how bad the outfield it was in New York? I mean, yeah. you ran from second base, you went downhill into the center and you went back up the hill and then if you went to right field, yeah. went back downhill again. <laughs> yeah. No question. No question. <laughs> oh, great fun, Lou. Great fun. It was, it was, it was Freddie. And, uh, uh, it, it, you know, I, I feel fortunate we won in 78 and repeated as world champions. But truthfully, with the team you guys had, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm positive that if, if we hadn't won that ball game, you all would have met, been the world champions that year. Yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> and that ends another chapter of Sports Rivals. We extend our deepest appreciation to Fred and Lou. I mean, to getting to hear these guys talk about one of the great seasons of Major League Baseball between these two teams, the Red Sox and the Yankees. And I think it's just a, 
it's just a real treat. And to learn more about uh, this podcast and other episodes, we invite you to log on to thesportsrivals.com as you can join the conversation. We're always happy to hear any questions you may have about the programs and any suggestions for future shows that you'd like to hear. Also, you can follow us on Instagram at the Sports Rivals, on Twitter at Rivals underscore podcast, and on Facebook by searching for the Sports Rivals podcast. Thanks, everybody. Well, rivalries exist in sports. To hear about them from the guys who participated, we think's one of uh, a fan's great delights, and we hope it was for you today. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.